that's taking place there. And um, just, hey, thank you for being here. Thank you for your prayers. At this time, I just want to welcome those who are joining us online this morning. Welcome to all of you. I am very excited about a new five-week message series based on the life of Daniel called Stan. And the question that I want to ask to you this morning is this. Are you a thermostat or a thermometer? Now process that for a moment. Some of you are shaking your heads, you're getting it. Others are looking at me. Let, let me help out a minute for a minute. Are you one who impacts your environment? Are you one who impacts the climate that is around you? Or are you just a mere indicator of that climate? In an ever-changing society, and our society is ever-changing, we as Christians have to decide, are we merely going to be an indicator of the climate around us? Or are we going to be God-ordained reformers? We're going to take a look at the life of Daniel this morning, and I want to talk about how he stands out. Sometimes in this world, we just have to stand out for God. Next week, Pastor Jamal will be preaching, and and I just wanted him to have the freedom to share whatever God has laid on his heart. So two weeks from today, we'll be talking about how we can stand up. Sometimes we just have to stand up for what's right. Three weeks from today, we're going to talk about stand strong. Remember, there was a time in Daniel's life when the king says, you can't pray for a certain amount of time. But Daniel stood strong on his convictions and prayed anyway. Sometimes we just have to stand in faith, stand in prayer. I love this story in Daniel where the archangel Michael comes and says to Daniel, God has heard your prayer. He has heard the cry of your heart. And sometimes we just have to stand in faith and prayer. And then the first week in November, we're going to take a look at standing firm. Even through the trials. Even through the fire. When we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. Of course, that's the story of Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Well, the second week in November... Evangelist Jamel Mayo will be with us. He's with the young people this weekend at the retreat speaking. And he'll be here on a Friday night uh, in November. Uh, we're just going to have special services. And that Saturday morning, we're going to have a little tune-up for marriages. If you're a couple and you want to come from 9 to 12, a little tune-up for marriage. Uh, Pastor Jamel does uh, marriage seminars. And we're just going to take, uh, take advantage of that. And then he'll speak in the morning and the evening service as well. We're going to have a Sunday evening service that second Sunday in November. The third Sunday in November, you know what that is. That's our Thanksgiving message. Wow. And then the last Sunday in November for four weeks, we're going to just talk throughout the holiday season about different Christmas carols. Very excited about that. So Happy New Year, everyone, and uh, fall is gone, winter is upon us. 
<laughs> hey, can you just stand for the reading of God's word this morning? Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, that's the southern kingdom, Nebuchadnezzar, now if you don't know anything about Nebuchadnezzar, he was a bad king. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it, destroyed it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hands, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he, Nebuchadnezzar, carried off to the temple of his God. Think about that. The items that were in the temple of capital G now were carried into the temple of the lowercase g in Babylon and put in the treasured house of his God. You may be seated. In going through the first chapter of Daniel, there's one word that came to my mind. And I don't know how you feel about this, but here it is. Change. Change. Change is a powerful word. At the very mention of the name change, it evokes all types of different emotions from fear to excitement, from anxiety to anticipation. Maybe change brings the word caution. It all depends upon the context and the circumstance in which change is going to occur. I don't know if you're familiar with uh, Isaac Newton's law, first law of motions, first law of motion. Isaac Law says this, that an item stays in constant rest or in constant motion in a straight line unless it's forced to change, unless it's compelled to change by forces pressed upon it. I could hit a golf ball. And the law of motion says it remains at peace and at rest and going straight until there's a great gust of wind that comes and blows it into the woods. Well, actually, it's not the wind. It's just my swing that blows golf balls into it. But I like to blame it on the wind. But everything is, is at constant rest unless change occurs by a force. It could be a promotion. It could be a career change. It could be a marriage. This weekend, I did two weddings. I did one Friday night for Tyler McKinnon. Tyler got married. And on Saturday, Laura Cassicelli got married. It could be a divorce. It could be the birth of a child. Or it could be the loss of a loved one. Or I think of military personnel. Deployment comes. Change. What I do know is this. There is one thing that is constant in life. And that's change. 
life is always changing. And whether we have experienced change or experiencing change now or at some point will experience change, I don't know about you, but there are some of us who do not adapt very well. And there are others who embrace change well. Let's just review where we are in Daniel chapter 1, get the background. The year is around 605 B.C. And the lives of the Israelites, those living in the southern kingdom, their lives are going to be turned upside down as King Nebuchadnezzar comes in and besieges, destroys that city. And not only is the defeat humiliating, but even more humiliating is that King Nebuchadnezzar goes into that sacred temple, the house of God, and removes holy items, sacred items, and takes them to his temple of a pagan god. Along with this, we know that he carries off some of the inhabitants, some of the Israelites, mostly young boys, usually between the age of 12 and 16, as most commentaries say. And they are carried off into exile, into Babylon, now living in a foreign culture. Daniel was one of those who was taken away from his family, taken away from his country, and now was forced to do things that he he never thought he would have to do before. How did Daniel deal with this change? As one who does not like change very much, who has a hard time adapting to change. There's one principle that when I go through change, I always have to remind myself, and I applied it to Daniel's situation. Whenever going through change, I always have to remember to take my eyes off the circumstance, whether good or bad, When it's bad, it's easier to do. When it's good, this is not as easy to do. But whenever there's a change, you have to take your eyes off the circumstance, whether good or bad, and you have to look up. And as you look up, you look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher and the perfecter of your faith. As you look up in the midst of change, you always remember God is in control. And the Lord delivered. Who's in control here? The Lord delivered. Now because of the Israelites' idolatry and their wicked way, God saw fit for this to take place. And it should not have taken them by surprise because five kings before, when King Hezekiah was king of Judah... Isaiah prophesied a hundred years before, the time will surely come when everything in your palace 
and all that your fathers have stored up until this day will be carried off to Babylon. Nothing will be left, says the Lord. And verse 7 says, even some of the inhabitants, even some of your people will be carried off. Now, as Daniel was carried off, I'm sure he had moments of, why, God? Why? But in the life of Daniel, we see that ultimately he realized that God was in control and God would see him through. When change occurs, when circumstances changes, when outside forces press upon you that causes change, look up and remember God is in control. Also, when you look up, Not only do you realize that God is in control, but you also remember that God is with you. We value the great commission of going into all the world, preaching the gospel, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe whatever the Lord has commanded us. But we often forget verse 20, and lo, it says in the King James, And surely, I will be with you always. Not sometimes, not just part of the journey, but every step of the journey, whether good or bad, I will be with you. Remember when the Lord led the Israelites into the promised land? Three times he told Joshua, I will never leave you or forsake you. In amidst change, look up. God is in control. God is with you. And as you look up, you also are reminded that God has all authority. He is sovereign. Now, the last two subpoints I covered real quickly. Just give me a little time to develop this subpoint for a moment. It's kind of interesting what's taking place. Not only was King Nebuchadnezzar destroying their present, destroying Jerusalem, he was also out to destroy their future. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, they called him Ash, hopefully. Can you imagine going through life, Ashpenaz? I'm sure they named him Ash. Chief of the court officers, office, officials, to bring some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men. Young men without any physical defects. Well, right there, that discounts me. I'm bow-legged and they wouldn't let me come in. I, I, I was, my senior year, this girl from our church asked me to her prom and we're at her parents' house and we're taking pictures, and I'm standing there, and her mother goes, for goodness sakes, Jeff, put your legs together. I go, I can't, I'm pulling. <laughs> Without any physical, handsome, 
showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylonians. You see what's taking place. In other words, go through the yearbook. Look at those most voted to succeed. I want them. And we're going to change the way they believe and think and act and talk. We're going to get them to believe like Babylonians. We're going to get them to talk like Babylonians. We're going to get them to think like Babylonians. We're going to get them to act like Babylonians. We're going to take the youngest and the brightest and the best. And we're going to change their culture. And not only was he going to do that that way. And how was he going to do that? How would he take a group of 12 to 16-year-old boys and change their thinking? Change the way they look at on life. How is it that he would change their culture? You know how he would do it? He would reward them with pleasure. And the king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. I'm going to give them the very, I'm going to give them food they never even had before. I'm going to give them the very best. The temptation is, as you learn of our ways, you will be rewarded by pleasure and some good food. And they were to be trained for, please note, how many years? Please keep that in your memory bank. We're going to come back for that. They were going to be trained for three years. Now, as you look at this, King Nebuchadnezzar was a very smart, intelligent man with a very strategic and intentional plans of reforming the lives of some young men. But when you think about it, this strategy isn't something new, is it? But this is the intention. This is the strategy of the prince of darkness, our enemy, who is constantly trying to take followers of Jesus Christ and no longer make them a thermostat, one who reforms, one who changes. But he's out to steal, kill, and destroy. He masquerades as an angel of light. He lures, he deceives, and he tries to get followers of Jesus Christ to once again talk like the world, believe like the world, think like the world, act like the world. And how does he do it? Through pleasure. Sin is fun. Sin is pleasurable. Hey, after all, pastor, everybody else is doing it. And oh, how it reminds us of the words to Paul to the church at Ephesus. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand out. So that you can stand against the devil's schemes. Stand firm. Put on the belt of truth. 
the blessed prayer of righteousness. Your feet fitted with the gospel of peace and readiness. The sure seal of the spirit that, that, that quenches the fiery darts that the enemy launches at us. Take the helmet of salvation. The sword of the spirit. And there's one more that we often leave out. And pray in the spirit. There's a spiritual warfare. And as King Nebuchadnezzar was trying to change a generation, there's our enemy trying to change us. And not only does the king try to change their diets, their thinking, their beliefs. Look at what King Nebuchadnezzar does next. Among some of them, from Judah was Daniel, Hananiah, Meshiel, and Azariah. And the chief officials gave them new names. What's he trying to do now? He's trying to change their very identity, their very belief. Daniel, the Hebrew name Daniel, means God is judge. Belteshazzar, Bel, is the chief God of Babylon. From God is judge to Bel. Bel will protect you. The God, the chief God of Babylon will protect you. Hananiah means God is gracious. And his name is going to be changed to Shadrach, under the control of Aku. Aku is the moon god of Babylon. From Jehovah to the moon god. Meshiel. Who is like Jehovah? Who is like Yahweh? To Meshach. Who is like Aku? The moon god of Babylon. From Azariah, Jehovah is help to Abednego, servant of Nebo. Nebo is the Babylonian god of wisdom. And he, he the, the Hebrew names, which were all centered around the worship of Jehovah, their names are now changed to a culture of a pagan gods. Changing their identity. When you gave your heart to Jesus Christ, when I gave my heart to Jesus Christ, when I became born again, God changed my name to Christian, to believer, to follower, to forgiven, to redeemed. And he adopted me into his family He's adopted us into his family and he's given us an inheritance of eternal life. We are sealed with the Spirit of God. And with this new name, we are sealed. Nothing can separate us from our love. In other words, it doesn't matter 
who one calls us or who, what someone says about us. We know we come under the authority of the sovereign God. We come under his authority. We are his and his alone. You can change the names. But Daniel remembered not only who he was, but whose he is. And through the changes, through the forces that come and disrupt our peace, remember to look up. God is in control. Look up. God is with you. And remember that you have been given a name. And he has all authority over you in the changes of life. When changes come, circumstances come, not only remember to look up, but to live out your faith. This is my favorite verse. But Daniel, but Daniel resolved not to defy to defy himself. He, re- he, he, re- he resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. He asked the chief official permission not to defile himself in this way. Even though he was put into a foreign culture, tried to learn different ways David did not forget who he served and was not going to defy his body. He resolved in his heart. One translation says he purposed in his heart. He committed himself to keeping pure before God. He was steadfast to his conviction. He was not going to compromise his values. And how many know peer pressure can be positive? Along with Daniel, there was Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. He was not going to compromise his values. Did you know compromise is an interesting word? Do you know know the difference between the verb form and the noun form of compromise? It's, It's phenomenal. Compromise, the noun, means agreement. You come to a compromise. You come to an agreement. Synonyms, an accommodation, a concession, a happy, a 50-50, a settlement. There were some young men who compromised their values in a noun form. They came to a concession. They came to an agreement. They came to a settlement. Since all my other friends are doing it, I'm just going to partake of this food. But Daniel, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, they did not compromise Their values in a noun form, but they use the verb form. We're not going to put in jeopardy our values. We're not going to cop out. We're not going to dishonor our values. We're not going to embarrass our our morals. We're not going to give in. We're not going to jeopardize. We're not going to sell out. We're not going to weaken our morals of what we believe and defile ourselves by this food. How many know that God honors godly character? God honors godly character. These four took a stand. And we read in verse 9 how God caused the official to show favor. Who's in control? 
God caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. If you continue to read on, it's kind of funny. It talks about how the official says, listen, it's okay, but I really have a king that I have to respond to. And I'm really fearful if King Nebuchadnezzar says that I let you eat vegetables and not of this choice food, I could be in trouble. And Daniel says, hey, let's, let's, let's just give it a try for 10 days. For 10 days, let us eat our vegetables. Let us keep this diet. And after the end of 10 days, let's, let's see how we compare to the ones who ate the royal food. In amidst a change, sometimes you just have to trust God. You just trust God. You, you live out your faith. You live out your godly character and you trust him. In the midst of change, you look up, you live out your faith, and you look ahead with expectancy at the end of the 10 days. They looked healthier, better nourished than the younger men who ate the royal food. How many know that sometimes in the midst of change, God is preparing you? God is preparing you. God was preparing these four Hebrews. And to these four Hebrew young men, God gave knowledge, who's in control, and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. That comes very important later on in the book of Daniel. God was preparing these four. And they looked ahead. And how many know that God always finishes what he prepares us to do? When God carries out his plan, sometimes it's not always right away. Remember that, remember that verse I told you? How long were they to prepare themselves? Three years. Three years. Sometimes the process takes three years. It's not instant. But look at verses 19 and look at the the end of, of the first chapter. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. It's interesting that they use their Hebrew names there and not their Babylonian names. That's The king talked with all of these choice people. And he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Meshiel, and Azariah. So they entered the king's service. In every matter of wisdom, understanding about the king questioned him. He found them ten times better than all the magicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And God strategically placed them like he did Esther for such a time as this. Stand out. Are you going to be a thermostat? Or are you going to be a thermometer? In the midst of change, remember always to look up and remember who's in control, who is with you,
and who has all authority over you as his child. In the midst of change, continue to live out your faith because God honors godly character. Live it out. Trust in him. Look expectantly so what he's preparing you to do, he will finish it to the fullest because he who has begun a good work in you will be what? Faithful to complete it. Would you bow your heads with me?